This episode of the Insurance Coffee House is sponsored by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies and brokers in the UK and across the United States. Visit insurance-search.co.uk for more details. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search. Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get the chance to meet and learn from some of the most successful insurance business leaders on the planet. Now, in today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Cheryl Rawburn, the former managing director, now chairman of Gallagher UK Coventry. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Well, thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to our chat over coffee. It's a pleasure to have you on, Cheryl. Real pleasure. And um, for, for, for those not in the know, Cheryl has over 30 years experience in commercial insurance and has had many senior management roles in that time. And she now enjoys the role of chairman of Gallagher Coventry. So, Cheryl, if we could just start off asking you to share with our listeners a little bit more about your background, the work you do at Gallagher and that all important question, what's your coffee of choice in the morning? Well, my coffee of choice is Jamaican Blue Mountain, and I like my coffee Americano style. So that is my most favourite coffee. So I don't get it every morning, though, but uh, I do like to have that coffee if I can get hold of it. I've not come across Um, that one, Cheryl. Where where do you get that from? It's readily available, but it is a a specialist coffee from Jamaica. So it's absolutely delicious. It's smooth, but it has a has a strength of coffee behind it. So checking that one out. Thank you. Okay, so I I chair the Coventry office of Gallagher. Um, That's a role that I've held for the last few years. We operate throughout the Midlands region, down through Oxfordshire, and we're an office that have SME specialism in international risk and also for technology and life science alongside supporting local businesses. Um, So my role is partly client-facing, Um, and partly ambassadorial, promoting the company locally um, in the region with business networks and and other professionals. I no longer have line management and P&L responsibility, although over my career that has featured um, a lot. (laughs) But these days I still look after a few clients and I'm also engaged in new business. So I'll carry out audits and reviews and risk management for corporate clients, potential clients for Gallagher. So that's sort of my current role in a nutshell. Fantastic. It sounds like quite a wide remit. And I know that your office, as well as SME, you're doing a lot in the technology space and also the international arena as well. So expand a bit more upon that. Yes. Well, as a team, we started about 25 years ago looking after companies abroad through various networks. Obviously, within Gallagher, it gives us greater possibilities with that. So when we have our own offices abroad and also network partners, uh, which have been fully SLA'd and agreed. And so we look after companies primarily we have one FTSE 200 in our Coventry office, but most of them are medium range businesses with 
probably half a dozen subsidiaries overseas and also businesses that are purely UK um, orientated. So that in the historically has involved going to visit with partner brokers to carry out uh, risk reviews in current in overseas countries of the subsidiaries and providing full support for that. Um, we're fortunate that also we have uh, something called AXCO, which we're able to help our clients give them information about compulsory insurances abroad and the team are very well experienced in in handling that and there are lots of businesses within the Midlands region that do have a representation overseas and so it's a USP for us in that we're a local community broker but we have an international reach Um, and so we don't really have anybody else in that particular space Um, so um, from our point of view we do do very well talking to companies that are wanting a personalised service, but at the same time are wanting to be able to have the broad range of covers and facilities that a, a multinational company have. That it sounds is- like a great offering, not only for your clients, but also for the people you employ there, the, the mix of work and the opportunity that they could have. It is because we've had uh, one of our apprentices has moved on to a junior account exec role through going through an account manager roles. She's recently been in America on a tech course um, in New York. We have one of our other young ladies who was an apprentice. She's now a senior account manager and she's been off in the in India looking through the various support and back office packages and arrangements that we have with our colleagues in India. So it's quite a lot of opportunities within the company to be able to travel and experience diff- different countries and lots of different mm-hmm. things that they can can enjoy as well as um, you know doing their day-to-day role. So oh, it sounds like a great offering. And I'm sure, like you said, there's not a lot of uh, companies in that particular area that could could offer that. Cheryl, I'd like to kick off today by asking you, what do you personally do on a daily basis that helps set you up for a successful day? Well, I usually start my day with a quick run through on the iPad of the news headlines that have come in overnight. And also, I'll have a quick look at social media um i'm on twitter and on linkedin so i'll have a quick look on those and i'm relatively active on both so i might make some posts or i might make some comments and then after that i usually settle down and read a chapter of a book so depending on um how early I've woken up in the morning I don't always get the chapter of the book and then the main thing of the day after my ablutions is to make sure I've done my makeup I don't go anywhere without (laughs) um, lipstick and makeup (laughs) and I always have a good breakfast so um, I and quite often on the breakfast networking calls from Zoom with the various people that we've been chatting to we're all comparing our bowls of breakfast and what we've got <laughs> in the morning now so we're not sitting across the table we're comparing what's in our breakfast bowls that's great and I love the way that you you prioritize your reading for that time in the morning I um I really struggle with that because I often leave my reading till the last thing in the evening that's normally after working US hours so I'm normally absolutely shattered I read one page that's me done for so that's good prioritization there. Great. So, Cheryl, we understand that in order to be a successful insurance business leader, there's often some 
adversity to overcome along the way. So as well as asking you about what's been the biggest achievement in your career, I'd like to also ask what has been the the largest setback and how did you go about turning that situation around? Well, I guess from an achievement, it would be setting up in business with three other colleagues when I first started Halkett Associates and we went out in an independent way. That is a massive achievement to be able to be brave enough to do it and also to open up an office with no clients at all and take it from there. So I think that is is a massive achievement for anybody in starting up their own business. And there's all sorts of knocks and achievements along the way with that. Related to that, I guess, was probably from a personal setback point of view, having set up with four people, run a business with them for over 10 years and very successfully. Two of my colleagues decided that they wanted out but didn't come and speak to the other two directors. So unfortunately, they then went off and agreed a deal to sell their shares to somebody else. And they also involved our accountant, which is probably a bit naughty of them at the time. So I think that was a breach of trust. And it's quite difficult to get over that. As it happened, because of the way in which our shareholder agreements were written, they couldn't actually proceed without say-so of the remaining two directors, which is myself and my other colleague. But on a personal level, you can't then carry on working together in the same way once that has happened. So we did then sell the business subsequently to Oval, which actually was an ideal home for us um, because it was run in an entrepreneurial way and you had a reasonable amount of autonomy and it was possible within the sale agreement for the two remaining directors to take a greater proportion of shares in Oval and less cash. And the two directors that wanted to exit then exited with a higher proportion of cash and, and less shares so so from a, a a way in which it happened it was on a personal level quite distressing at the time because obviously yeah. just having set up a business and all the things that you've done over the years to have that happen is quite a breach of trust but you know pick yourself up, get on with it. And actually, it was a good move for me from a career point of view at that point to move on into Oval. And then I, a couple of years later, became manager director of the office. Um, so, so yes, it was a setback, but things um, sorted themselves out and moved on, basically. I think some people would find it very hard to come back from that breach of trust that was so evident there. But it sounds like you managed to turn things around well enough and actually turn that into a positive in the end. Yes, I think we did. And, you know, it was then a case of finding a home that was going to be suitable for all of the four directors' requirements. And um, we were fortunate that we were able to do that. And, and, it, and it worked out well from my perspective. And I believe it, in the end, it worked out well from the directors who who left the the business obviously that that is disruptive to staff if to some extent a lot of it was kept away from them but the middle management there was a bit of taking of sides at that time which isn't great which is why it was really important just to move on so I think we took a big deep breath and said actually we're not going to be able to continue to work 
together. We do need to sell and we'll get on and do it. And that's what happened. And it was done and everybody moved on. So, so yes, it, a breach of trust is pretty key, I think, in anything. And at that point, it wasn't really feasible to continue working together. Good. I'm, I'm pleased it worked out very well for you and, and for your career. So that's fantastic. Cheryl, we know that most insurance professionals fall into the industry. They don't have dreams of being insurance brokers or indeed underwriters when they're at school. So how did you get into the industry? and what was your light bulb moment when it all clicked into place and you realised you could be successful in insurance? Well, yes, I think it is true. Everybody falls into insurance without expecting it to. I was doing business studies and went to the Avon at Stratford on a day out, which I just assumed was a day out to have a nice meal out, go and have a look around a company hadn't really fully appreciated it was actually an assessment centre. My parents were farmers and kind of they weren't really in the business community. So I just toppled along, did some exercises, had a nice lunch, went away again and then found out a few days later that I got offered a job. I'd obviously answered the risk questions right. <laughs> so so then I, I did start in a career with insurance company, but it wasn't really for me. I'm more of a people's person. And after six months or so, it was apparent that, you know, I wasn't keen on the dead man's shoes thing of somebody had to go and then somebody moved back a bit. And I just really wasn't for me and there wasn't enough customer interaction. So I went to join a local agent um, who was also worked for the NFU and uh, the Avon. So that was much more direct with the client. Um, and more to my skill set, really. And I enjoyed that. I learned a lot. I started my insurance exams again. And during that time, I started to get a little bit bored. And um, I saw a job at a small international brokerage. And I thought, well, actually, I might quite fancy trying for that. So went along for the interview, sat across the desk from the director and he said, oh, you'd just taken a call from America. He said, can you deal with this? I said, oh yes, of course I can. (laughs) (laughs) I've never done it, but I'm sure I'd be able to learn pretty quick. And uh, so that was that really. And then I moved into working for a small international brokerage and worked there for a number of years, working my way up from the account manager to account executive. That was a little bumpy though, because in those days, women weren't generally account executives. So they tended to bring them in from outside and not promote any of the women. So I did was a bit miffed. So I left for a year and then I was brought back as an account exec and I was given a better car and everything else. So I felt vindicated. (laughs) I then went on to lead the account exec team there eventually and I was very and I was very involved with training and that's been a passion for me all the way along I'm really keen to see how people learn and also progress within their industry and and I believe that the professional qualifications are vital at that point in time if you hadn't got professional qualifications as a woman then you were discounted completely really but These days, it's still, I think, an important thing to have those qualifications. And I've always been a big promoter of that. And indeed, when we set up our apprenticeship scheme locally in Coventry and within Gallagher, we've used some of the things that we've done within that. And it has been very successful. We've 
been able to recruit new apprentices using our existing apprentices to be part of the interview process. And they've been able to see how they've progressed within the business, which I think is really important. Yeah. Um, we even had Tom Gallagher over and he came and had a chat with our apprentices um, for about 20 minutes one day, just sort of going through what they could do within Gallagher. So, um, so yeah, right from the top down, we're, um, we're able to see what opportunities people have got to progress and, and I think it's really important that you, you do give people that opportunity. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And have you ever had a mentor or a leader that's influenced? Not really, no. Um, I, it's one of those things that I have done mentoring. We've Within the local business networks, the mentors tend to mentor somebody out of your professional. So the mentoring that I've done have been for lawyers, graphic design, marketing, people that have been, and also insolvency. So I've had been doing mentoring support for people in other professions, but I never really had that mentoring support myself. And bearing in mind that I've been in the business for over 30 years, mentors weren't as common then. And it would have been great if you had been able to have access to those mm-hmm. mentors mm-hmm. but and we do have a really good mentoring scheme within Gallagher as well mm-hmm. but it wasn't something I ever mm-hmm. had the opportunity to have or indeed was able to take advantage of. And what about a, a leader or someone who you reported into who you sort of looked up to or thought that you've learned a lot from the way they've worked? Interesting question obviously for a number of years I was the leader because effectively running your own business you are that person but when I moved into Oval one of the reasons that we particularly liked the business was Philip Hodson was the um, chief executive and he was able to cut to the chase to resolve things which I really like and also he would listen and take on board anything that you felt was important enough to refer to him and there was a reason why you wanted to refer it so I think from my perspective um, he he was a very good leader and also I think Pat and Tom Gallagher make a lot of effort within Gallagher Tom does so on the sales side I recently had a piece um, from the other work that I'd done for COVID during Easter, which Tom had worked with me and went out to our collective uh, 30 odd thousand staff everywhere. And, and as I say, he has been into our office and chatted with our apprentices. We get regular input from Pat Gallagher. I've sat next to him at dinner table. <laughs> He's a really nice guy. Um, so, so I think leaders don't need to be remote. They need to be approachable. And you've got to have the ethical, the same ethical approach, really, to business. We're given three days a year for volunteering. And in addition, as I say, we, we get additional funds as well. So I think the, the ethical side of it is equally important as the business and the progression and also the way in which people are treated and how they get to move on within a, in a, in a company. Those are my kind of key drivers. And I do feel that Pat and Tom, Tom do lead from the front on that. Cheryl, looking to the future now, and if you had a crystal ball, how would you see the insurance industry developing over the next three to five years or so? And what do you think insurance business leaders should do to adapt to be successful? Well, if you don't 
adapt, you don't survive. So there was a there was a quote which was attributed to Darwin, but somebody said the other day they didn't think it was actually him. They've said it's not generally the strongest or the most intelligent, but those most able to change and adapt to the new environment that survive and thrive. Mm. And actually, I think the COVID situation has shown us that those that are more fleet of foot and able will be able to survive much better. I think the in- industry is going to change in that there will be more work done online. I think talking earlier, just before we started today, about that you know you don't have to be in an office in the centre of London to call, make a Zoom call to America or to India or to Australia. You can be at home to do that without the travel and the impact on the environment. Cheryl, we're now going into the second part of our discussion today. We like to call it the espresso round because we're short, sharp and straight to the point. So Cheryl, can I ask you, are you ready for the espresso round? I'm more of an Americano girl, but I'd give it a go. The espresso round. Cheryl, what is your favourite success quote? Probably Karen Brady. Hard work will bring opportunities. Fantastic. Fantastic. Is that something you try and live by in your life? Always, always. In respect of the insurance professionals and the brokers you work with at the moment, what do you think is the number one thing holding them back from being more successful? I think just at the moment with COVID, everybody's been a bit cautious. I think a lot of the underwriters are, because we're running into a hard market, people are being much more cautious about risk. Um, in some ways, I think that's a good thing. I think if you provide good, high quality professional presentations and information, then hopefully that will be taken on board. I think it's important that clients are seen as individual clients yeah. and not yeah. necessarily swooped up and said, well, just because there's a problem in the directors and officers liability market, all companies will be Um, at risk. I think there needs to be greater understanding of people's financial capabilities and status. And I'm not too sure whether sometimes from an underwriting perspective that is fully taken on board. So I think there's things that we could do better in that arena. Okay, great. And how do you as a business drive forwards the standards in the insurance industry? Well, we have um, a very active online CPD and FCA and training. We're regularly getting reviews and updates. Um, Everybody has to do their 36 hours CPD. It's not uh, an option. Everybody has to do it. And Really, you're encouraged, we try and encourage people to do additional training. So yeah. we're looking at soft skills training. We're looking at interpersonnel training, um, as well as the compliance, which is obviously vitally important. We also have a very vigorous audit and, and test routine. So those things, I think, make sure that you learn from what you've, if you do yeah. make a mistake, the best thing to do is put your hand up and say, I've done something wrong. should be no problem with doing that. Yeah. It's really important that people feel able to do that. And then two people sorting out, three people sorting out, it'll get sorted. It's resolvable. The main thing is if somebody's made a mistake, 
put the hand up and it can get dealt with. Totally. Um, and I think that's really important. That leads on well to my next question, which is about how do you develop the talent and maximise their, their chances of being successful there at Gallagher? Well, I've already spoken about our apprenticeship team. We also locally in Coventry have something called Rising Stars. In the last 12 months, we've had 40% of our team within Coventry promoted in some shape or form. The company also run um, a mentoring programme. We've got a next generation programme for the managers of the future. And some of those who are on the first next generation programme are now actually managing directors of offices. Um, The company have a CEO award scheme. And we also have a DARE, which is delivering all round excellence. And that's something that your colleagues nominate individuals for. Yeah. So there are quite a lot of ways in which people are rewarded, recognised. We also have a, a monthly sales service magazine that comes out that shows people's um, successes and what they've achieved and, and how they've done it with some tips as to what you might like take on board going forward. Great. I really, really appreciate that. It sounds like there's a lot going on at Gallagher to develop and nurture talent, particularly interested at that management and, and senior management level that you offer courses and training courses, which has been really fruitful in bringing yeah. on the next generation of managing directors. I think sometimes that's that's overlooked as a business. You might get a very good broker or brilliant underwriter and they're, they're great technically or they might have great sales skills, but that management piece is really um, overlooked sometimes. So I think that's yeah, it's really, benefit. really important that we develop our people across yeah. the whole of the organisation. I think everybody should be aware that you always learn something new every day. And if I could just finish off by just asking you, if you woke up tomorrow morning and you you have all the experience and all the knowledge that you've accumulated over the the years in insurance that you've that you've worked in, how would you go about building up your career or building another business if Gallagher's wasn't around tomorrow? Well, I think it's extremely unlikely that Gallagher's won't be around tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't envisage that at all, but. I have set up my own business in the past. I have a lot of contacts in the business. I think probably I would be more interested in supporting new businesses, setting up and helping them and mentoring them um, and moving on the way, perhaps on a, an ex-officio basis. So um, as a non-exec director or something of that ilk, if I was to be in a start again situation now. And what would your advice be to our listeners out there who are either thinking about starting up their own business or they're just starting out on their insurance career? I think it's all about trust. It's about trust and also being able to listen. All great leaders need to listen, but also you've actually got to get on and do it. It's no good talking about it. You need to get off and actually get on and do it. So the procrastination has to stop. If you want to move on, that is really the way in which you've got to do it is, is to start straight away. Don't avoid good, it. I think there's a good Nike slogan which would agree with that. Great stuff. So thank you, Cheryl. Really enjoyed having you in the insurance coffee house today. It's been very insightful to hear about your career and the advice and guidance that you offer 
to our listeners. Before you go, can I just ask you for your one piece of closing advice and how would the listeners go about contacting you after the show? Well, one of our account executives said of me that I would walk on glass for the clients. So I think that is key. You've got to be there for your clients. And if anybody wants to contact me or to have a chat with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Cheryl Rawbone, and I'll be happy to have a chat or connect with you. Thank you very much. We will make sure that we post a link to your LinkedIn page on our show notes for the listeners if they'd like to reach out to you and once again Cheryl we thank you so much for joining us today it's been really inspiring hearing you speak about your career and the advice that you can give to some of our listeners thank you for having me and for all of those listening on your podcast today you can give us a five-star review if you like the show if you have any comments that you'd like to make or perhaps have any suggestions about future guests or if you'd like to be a future guest on the show yourself, please do contact us. My name's been Nick Hoadley. This is the Insurance Coffee House. Until next time, take care. You've been listening to the Insurance Coffee House with Nick Hoadley. Join us next time to hear more insights and inspiring success stories to help you become a better insurance business leader. Available to download or subscribe now.